Shut up and sit down. Hi, I'm Corbin. And I'm Katie. And we are the, the Badger Bonds. Two best friends adventuring through the world of lady stuff, one episode at a time. We don't give medical advice, and we don't see for anyone other than ourselves. We're just recording conversations we'd be having at bars anyway. Oh my gosh. We're all back together in I'm one here. room. It I'm feels here. so right. It does. Ugh, it's the, so good. The vibe was definitely a different. Yeah. It was hard. And plus, I was like telling Andrew that I, I felt different and I was excited to be podcasting with you guys again. He's like, yeah, you always sounded tired. <laughs> well, that because you were podcasting was, in the evening. Yeah, I was in case always anyone like didn't right look up the bed. time change. Yeah, yeah, and I was like always in my pajamas, like yeah. <laughs> ready to go to bed. And then, so anyway, yeah. I apologize for being as hey. Donnie would say, low energy. <laughs> I feel like you still brought it though. Well, thanks. You're, yeah. you're just smart all the time. Smart all the you. time. Um, okay, so for everyone who's wondering, yes, Corbin and I both matched. Woo! So we don't know where yet. Do we? I don't remember how much we talked about this part of the residency search process. But so this week is called Match Week. So Monday, everyone gets this email where you find out if you matched to one of the places that you made put on your rank list, and then on Friday you find out where you matched. So we don't know where we're going yet, but we do we do know that we matched. That we matched, and we do know that we will be OBGYNs officially, which is so exciting. Um, it is exciting. I'm just glad this podcast did not scuttle your plan. I know, right? <laughs> I know, me too. <laughs> now we can say whatever we want, That's guys. Right, right. <laughs> no, no, you can still get fired. Yeah, we can. So still we get had fired. a class meeting before we got our emails, and the one of the deans of, for our office of student affairs and curriculum was like, "Just because you match doesn't mean that you can't get fired." And he was like warning us to like not get like a DUI or like a public intox because like match week is like a party week yeah. for med students, and it's just so funny. They should like, really incorporate you know podcasting into that warning. Yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. say anything you might regret on your podcast <laughs> yeah um but i was i wanted to read the this is like so funny the email that we get is so funny because i didn't know what it was gonna I say think like the subject line is funny. i had no expectations and like all of our other emails from the nrmp are like so like lengthy business like yeah and lengthy this is literally what it says the subject is did i match question mark and then the first line is, congratulations, you have matched. And after that, I quit reading. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, who cares what this says? Because it says, like, because you're a match, you're not eligible to participate in the SOAP process and blah, 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 blah. So yeah. I'm like, I don't care yeah, about that. that. No, <laughs> it's kind of weird that essentially we already have a signed contract to work somewhere and we yeah. don't know where that is. Yeah, you are you are now bound yeah. to so, go wherever they have chosen for you. It, yeah. And getting out of that. Is extremely is, requires an act of Congress. Yeah, and, it's extremely difficult, and also it basically screws you for any future employment. Like if you break your your oh, yeah. your match contract, like you are known, like it's bad. Yeah, you are you are then branded a match violator. Yeah, and then uh, nobody else wants to hire you. Hire you unless you unless unless it's like for a good reason. I feel connections. Like, like if I you guess? got cancer, I, I feel like they might let you. Yeah, but probably. then you'd probably just defer. Actually, they yeah, probably you would wouldn't let you. Yep. Um, so my brother is not medical. He is like, has a business degree and entrepreneurial certificate. Um, and he like always asks me about like this kind of stuff. And so yesterday I texted him and I was like, we both, so my husband, 
Adam also matched for anyone who's wondering. Oh, right. Yeah. So um, we both matched. So I texted my brothers and I was like, hey, we both matched. We'll find out where on Friday. And because of like what I talked about with the couples match rank list, like there are options on our rank list where we do not live in the same city, just like based on we wanted to like maximize our numbers. And so my brother was like, do you, does this mean that you'll live in the same city? And we're like, no. And he's like, this is the most brutal process <laughs> I have ever heard. I didn't even tell him about the like, you're basically contracted yeah. to like work for this hospital for four years. Yeah. Part. yeah. But yeah, I'm like, it really is like a very, very brutal process. You know, some would argue that, well, it's so much easier looking for a job because you, because it's all other than the like running around and interviewing things, it's all done for you. I don't think that. Wait, this is easier than looking for a job because it's done for you? Yeah, because like, oh, well, at least you're, you know, when you're done with it, you know, you have a job. But you have no bargaining power. I mean, but yeah, yeah, the truth is like you have to do pretty much exactly the same amount of work, if not more. uh Yeah. And you end up giving up like you like once you like once you get a job offer, like if this is the real world, once you get a job offer, you can say, well, yes or no. But in this case, it's like you can't say no, can't say no. Yeah. Not that I want to. To anybody no. out there listening that ranked me, I do not want to say no to no, your offer. No, <laughs> this, is, this is like super exciting. Yeah. I'm, yeah. It's but, crazy to think like we're going to be doctors in like two months. Yeah. Basically. And we're going to be OBGYNs and it's a I like thing. So Corbin was with me when we left yesterday and I was like bawling because I was like, I am like, finally, I'm going to start crying right now. Like I am going to be an OBGYN. This is like what I've worked for for 26 years. Like this is so exciting. Yes. Yeah. I mm. want you to know that uh, the Etlers uh, need to go to Chicago on Thursday. And so the option was floated. Well, let's just, you know, go for the weekend. I'm like, nope, got to come back to match day. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I haven't missed a match day yet and you know yeah it's exciting it's a very exciting yeah i don't know the exact numbers mm. but our class we did really well. very well yeah. this year and i mean we always do better than the national average but uh my impression is that we did super well this year so we, we, were, we kept saying yesterday that we i mean it sucks yeah. to think about your classmates not matching even if you're like not friends with them or yeah. like it just sucks to think about people not matching it sucks to think about any medical student knowing what they've gone through it sucks to think about them not matching like no matter what school you go to like yeah it sucks that's just like the end of the story like so we are excited that we matched but obviously like we feel very deeply for people who didn't match and like i understand the soap process and like a very cursory view of it but like i'm sure that it is not fun it's 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 uh it's again it's it's brutal in its own way i mean lots of people are pulling for you but at the same time it's it's uh i mean it's just scary yeah yeah and i I mean it can like still work out in the end it will yeah yeah it it will in most cases it will work out um and i think that like i think the hard thing about this process though is that it's like it feels so it can be feel so arbitrary you yes. know yes and so yeah. i think the people that like aren't as lucky as we are you know today you know it probably does it and it is arbitrary to a certain extent and it sucks that it has to and, be like that yeah and ob 
I mean, over the years, it's become particularly competitive. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like there's like hardly ever any unmatched bots in OB. Yeah. Well, and that's like, um, you know, for like me and Adam, like he's doing family medicine and he always, you know, he says like he is more worried about me matching than him because like if he, family medicine has a lot of unfilled spots mm -hmm. um, just every year. And so he's like, I know that if I don't match, I can scramble into a family mm -hmm. medicine spot and I can still do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. It's the people like us and OB and other specialties where there are no unmatched, there are no unfilled spots. Mm -hmm. And it's that and then it becomes a question of, like that's why i like said earlier like i know now that i will become an ob guy yeah. like that is all that i can become now not in a limiting way but like in a like i have worked hard this is what you work yeah work. exactly yep. Whereas, well, like, like for someone like me who like i don't really want to do it's not like i could see myself doing x y and z ever it's always been like i want to do OBGYN. that's why i went to medical school mm -hmm. yeah so for me it would be hard to accept doing anything different and that's the thing, like, I think you made a good point, Dave, that it is, like, kind of a little bit, like, capricious in a way. Like, there is, like, everyone who's going to graduate med school has worked hard. There is no question that mm -hmm. that is true. Mm -hmm. And right. so it, it is, like, very, it feels almost based on, like, chance or luck if you didn't match because you obviously I gotta obviously say, I think in some cases hard. it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in many, I, you know, like, you can screw it up, but I don't think that's anybody's you know like yeah. goal is to like do it wrong right but so i think that in many cases when people don't it's just shitty yeah. shitty luck exactly. yeah it's not anything that you did wrong it just yeah and i think that's the other reason why like it you feel so hard for those people yeah so if that's anybody listening we feel for you yeah we are very sorry that it happened yeah. and if you feel like talking about it you could do We're that. I you. know most people don't want to don't yeah. really want to talk about it because it's such so stressful. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. It was really weird because usually you, so you're at this meeting and then you like all dispersed, but we were, we made shirts for match day. And so we were all getting our shirts when we got the emails. Which are good shirts. And so I every, like those shirts. Yeah, they're good shirts. Everyone is like standing there and it's silent. And, and everyone just. email at different times yeah. too. Like I got mine at like. Uh, you got yours at 9.59. I got mine at 9.58 or yeah, something and like that. And then Kate got hers at 9.50. So like. They're rolling out. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, yes, basically instantaneous, but not at the same yeah. time. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's silent and every, you just look at another person and like, Ugh. you have to like Ugh. affirmative eyebrow oh. or negative eyebrow. I mean, it was like, it was like dead silent oh. in that room and we were all getting it. Like, I think Adam was the everyone, first one to say that he got his email Yeah. and then everyone else pulls out their phones and is like looking and it was terrifying. Yeah. Cause I think everyone was trying to also be sensitive yeah. of their like friends around them who may or may not have matched. Right. So. Yep. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. Anyway, I was going to talk about our match shirts because they are bala. Yeah, they're cool. So we are supposed to wear them all on Friday, right? I'm not. I'm dressing up on Friday, but we're having a bar crawl Friday. We're, we're supposed to wear them for the bar crawl. Yeah. But on the front, it's like a Tinder, right? Is that what it's on? I never mm -hmm. used yeah, Tinder. Yeah, Tinder. But it's like, a, you know, like the blank, the circle with like a out silhouette and then the other one is like you're supposed to, it's white and you're supposed to like write in it where you matched like with permanent marker and then it says like it's a match and then on the back it has like our bar crawl schedule they're very but, like cute. in text message yeah yeah in text yeah. message they're really, very really cool cute. yeah good job whoever came up with that yeah i don't know it's james probably james shiromani Shurmani. good job james shiromani well done uh yeah but anyway yeah so that's what's going on here this week it's uh exciting times in the lives of yeah. 
all medical students really yeah and next week we will let you know where we matched yeah that's crazy that's so scary <laughs> what this is terrifying i i was talking to adam about this because like I am on an editorial writing class right now that meets twice a week, so like not that difficult. And he's on a class called Thriving Physician, which is also not that difficult, and then is on vacation for the next two weeks. And so we've been like, Oh, once we get to match day, like our lives are gonna like slow down and like whatever. I'm like, okay, once we get to match day, we're gonna have so much freaking paperwork. I know the paperwork <laughs> is like the paperwork is the next brute thing. A little bit terrified. And like we like potentially want to like buy a house wherever we're moving, or you know, like you have to go like find an apartment. And so it's like, okay, just kidding, it's not gonna be easy after no, this. No, it's not gonna slow down. I'm uh, sorry to say. Yeah. It's it never here's the thing about medical school, you always think it's gonna slow down, but it never, it never does. does. It literally never does. I think what will happen, my guess is that what happens is things actually speed up in your, in what you might call your personal life, i.e. Mm -hmm. like things that are related to medical school, like you have to sign contracts and you have to, you know, get, get a house and you have to, and, you know, yeah. figure out how to move all your crap, yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Oh, and then like that happens almost at the expense of, you know, the <laughs> remainder of whatever you're doing yeah. in the end yeah. for a year. Yeah, they did remind us yesterday that we're still medical students. That's right. We still have an obligation <laughs> right. to show up. Friday night when you guys do the bar crawl, let's try to uh, maintain a sense of. Well, they were talking about like on rotation yeah. for the rest They're of the like, year. They're like, you are still medical students. You, you still, still have, have to show, show up. up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean, it is nice. Like our school, I think better than most schools gives us opportunities to do other things outside of like purely clinical rotations to like give us the last like hurrah before mm -hmm. you know. Except I have uh, six weeks of very clinical things to do left. I have one. But that's because I was the, pr you know, when schedules get made, there's always someone that ends up in the bat, you know, with the raw deal. And that was me. Like, I just. It's almost always. Corbin. That was me. Like, we talk about how Corbin came back from Sweden with the seven hour time difference right into daylight savings time. <laughs> <laughs> this is just Corbin's life. Are you shit magnet, Corbin? I am. No, I truly am. Like, bad things happen. <laughs> Not, like, very bad things, but, like... Mildly inconvenient. Like, if there's a possibility for, like, y luck to happen where, like, you are... for Okay, this is an example. One time we had a patient to see in one of the clinics. I won't say what clinic it was, but... And it was between me, the fourth year medical student, I was a third year at the time, and the resident to see the patient. And we're like, the resident was like, we're gonna draw a name out of the hat, which I was very salty about this because this was not a specialty I wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. This was my core clerkship. And these this was like a sub-I and a resident. Like, this is what you wanna do. Like, you do. do your job. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I was a fourth year or the, you know, like, resident, I would have just done it. Anyway, they're like, we're gonna draw names out of the hat. And I was like, well, I'm gonna get my name drawn out. Like, that's just what happens and sure enough it was me that got my name drawn out of the freaking hat like that is <laughs> and i just knew it like right away when we decide oh we're gonna leave this to chance like no that's me that's that's i'm gonna get the shit uh, deal <laughs> it is what it is yeah i wasn't i didn't i decided not to be the person that was like i matched on, on facebook on social media well we talked about yeah. this we'll and... just talk about it on the on, a, on the podcast yeah yeah well, we talked about this, like we had like a little get together at Corbin's house afterwards and we're like, should we post on Facebook? And I was like, honestly, it's just going to confuse most of my family. Yeah. That they're all going to be like, where? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to explain this process I see, yeah. for the I like 17 millionth time. I like to be mis mysterious. So all the people who knew I was matching this week will just You have could just to be like, I matched. You'll see. Yeah. And then. And, and Stay tuned. Yeah, that's right. Did I match?
Should we talk about what we're going to talk about? Yeah, we're going to talk about Sweden in the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know where this is going. Two very different tones of voice. Yeah. Sweden! Well, that was kind of unintentional, but (laughs) that was more like a tag on to Sweden. So, it's funny because I'm going to talk about the differences, but I was actually kind of surprised how similar, like, the actual care of patients was Mm -hmm. i mean obviously they're going to be fairly similar because they try to follow evidence-based medicine but evidence-based medicine is not always there's not always a like completely on that yeah Mm -hmm. so um like there are definitely things that i'd be like oh we don't do it like this in the u.s i wasn't that person that was like we don't do it like usually they would ask me like what's the differences mm-hmm. yeah you know because i wasn't going to be that person that was like oh we do it like this. we do it better yeah or if it was or if i had like a genuine question about like oh why do you do it like that instead of like right. this sort of which for anyone who's going into this kind of situation i think that's a much better way to approach it yeah yeah um because i truly am interested in like the and process. the the unfortunate thing is most of the time the answer was like oh we believe research shows this and then like for instance okay like this is going to be kind of like a nuance but uh when we close c-sections they do a different incision first um but that we only like su- uh close close the subcutaneous fat if it's like more than two centimeters mm-hmm. They always close the subcutaneous fat. Oh. And then ask someone about it, and they're like, oh, the research shows that this is fewer infections. Which, if you, that is like a surgeon dependent thing in the US too. Yeah. Well, and some people show that the research only shows it if it's more than two centimeters right. of fat. Mm-hmm. So, wait, wait, wait. So it's surgeon dependent that so, the infection rate no, no, is no. surgeon dependent or the. So, like, some surgeons in the US will close sure. the subcutaneous okay. regardless of the depth. Some will only do if it's more than two centimeters. Okay. Yeah. So, and like there in Sweden, they always close it. I think that is a big difference too, is they follow a lot more uniform practice. And I think in the U.S. Like a lot. Well, like in the hospital. I wasn't in every like. Well, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I didn't know if you like. But like them. in the hospital, like the surgeons pretty much, they do the same things, you know, like they're going to mm-hmm. do this. But like, I feel like in the U.S., at least in my experience, or at least at our hospital, it really is surgeon dependent, you know, like how they've been trained or. It's interesting to think of how uh, the society at large might affect that. Like, yeah, like, yeah. In the, like the U.S. has this mythology of like rugged individualism. Like, yes. you know, I figured mm-hmm. out that the best way to do this. And so I'm going to do Whereas maybe Sweden and from what you've said in, in on the podcast yeah. in the past, you know, they just do things very orderly and very. Right. In a very specific way, and everybody yeah. does that. I mean, they've all been trained by their laundry machines. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, the other... Well, I mean, and I was even talking to someone at the Red Cross, because I was kind of doing a side project learning about refugees mm-hmm. while I was there, and she was saying, you know, there's a protocol, we have a list, and she's like, because we're Swedish, and we love lists and protocols. Yeah, so they and know I was it. like, yeah. That just yeah. makes gives me, like, so much comfort. I love lists, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and in the U.S., like... Like, uh, was it, uh, was it Atul Gawande? Yeah, talked I was about the checklist talk about manifesto. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, this could be my Philippine file for the week, too, because I just finished this book. But yeah, the checklist manifesto is a book by Atul Gawande, who is a um surgeon 
uh, in Boston. He specializes in endocrine surgery, but he also received an MFA in creative nonfiction from the Iowa Writers Workshop in Iowa City. Woo woo. Mm. Um, it's like extremely famous. Yep. Anyway, yep. but he has written a lot of books. And yeah, the Checklist Manifesto is about how checklists. Like basically we as physicians think that we are like these rugged individual genius, you know, the individual genius, yes. is like this trope that gets played up all the time. But like, yes, there is a room for our, there are, there is room for our expertise and we need to be educated. But at the same time, like checklists help you miss, help you catch things that you might have missed one in 20 times or one in a hundred times, yeah. but they help you catch them every time. Right. And so it's just like a very good, um, uh, what it's just it? a very good way of 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 keeping track of it's things. It's like a check and balance. When like especially in outlier situations, like when yeah. somebody is having, when when your patient is um, very sick and maybe is you know something is happening to them that's unusual or something like that. Right. I, I imagine it can be good to have a checklist. Well, right, track and like of that stuff. If your patient is very sick, they're requiring a lot of different teams, medications procedures, procedures and keeping all those things in balance and making sure you remember every single piece of every single one of them is hard well and i think as human beings we as lo as much as some of us might like to think we're like detached from our emotions and can yeah. handle we are emotional creatures yes and high intensity situations get to us yeah and it's so it's important to have those like checklists to fall back on and i i truly believe that the research shows that we do better when we do we can fall back on like processes that are not and i really think it has to do with human biases too yeah. like i think even physicians are just like oh they weren't that sick that what you know a while ago or, you know just to like fall back on your bias about what the situation is rather than like treating it objectively like this is what i see sort of mm -hmm. well we, when you get into the weeds on something it can be easy to lose track of right yeah you know the basics yeah um and you know the u.s has a lot of medication error difficulties yeah. and yeah. things like that and maybe a lot of that would be avoided if there were comprehensive checklists that you could go back to and say okay did we do this yeah did we think about this yeah yeah and the other advantage is checklists can change over time you know like uh -huh. as you discover more things you add something to the checklist and then yeah or yeah, you refine it, you make it easier to use, whatever. The other thing I was gonna say, I actually don't know the answer to this. It, how many large teaching institutions are there in Sweden? I assume not as many as the U.S. because three? the U.S. is huge. Yeah, so three. Uppsala, so, uh, Karolinska, and Gothenburg. Much Gothenburg. easier to standardize. So this is the thing is like a lot of times in the U.S., if you ask a surgeon or any clinician why they do something that way, they'll say, well, that's how I was trained. Right. And I mean, honestly, like there are from interviewing in the South versus the Midwest, there are differences yeah. in things that even I asked about on the interview trail. Yeah. Just based on like being in a different part of the country. And so, yeah, when you only have three major institutions that are training people versus the hundreds of thousands in the U.S., it is a lot easier to streamline something if everyone's being trained one of three ways versus one of a hundred ways in the U.S. Hundreds of thousands? Oh, I, did I say hundreds of thousands? I, I meant hundreds or thousands. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. Damn. And, Damn. There's over a thousand. Yeah, I mean, there's only, and there's only 10 million people who live in Sweden. Yeah. In the country. So it's, I mean, it's like, this is like if you compared Sweden to the rest of the EU, I feel like would be a more fair comparison to the U.S., yeah. As far as like differences in practice. And I mean, that does make 
comparison between Sweden and the U.S. like a lot different is because Sweden is so much smaller. It's really very urbanized. Very few people live in rural areas in Sweden. Like, so it probably would be more fair to compare Sweden to like New York or like New Jersey or something like that. Well, and they don't. I mean. So because they have such a strong social safety net, a lot of their patients just don't deal with the same right. social issues that our patients deal with. Um, so, I mean, there are there is a population of people that are kind of left out and it's kind of interesting. But um, how they have become left. Actually, I'll just say what it is because. It's well, who gets left out in Sweden? Well, who gets left out in the U.S.? Yeah. <laughs> who gets left out in the u.s is like lots of people right poor people immigrants etc um like everyone who's not privileged no yeah well, yeah basically um who gets left out in sweden one small percentage of the population who is immigrated from a country like romania bulgaria <laughs> because so it's because so in the eu like you can travel Mm-hmm. in the eu like you can travel across borders across borders and live um but your home country still like responsible for you okay wherever you have you like your residency or citizenship or whatever that's your home country and so for instance if you're you're subject to the laws of how they provide like health care and so for instance if you're from france and you go to sweden mm-hmm. you have like it's called a blue card and that gives you medical insurance and so basically sweden bills france for whatever you need in sweden okay. and you're charged based on like france's rules when you get back to france or whatever makes a certain mm-hmm. yeah this is like the difference between state medicaids kind of right yes and no because yeah. I mean, state medicaids don't really transfer that well right. across state lines but um so countries like romania for example in order to get health insurance you have to like be working in romania (laughs) and so like a lot of the like romani populations that don't work in romania and they travel the itinerant population yeah won't have insurance coverage at all but so in sweden undocumented and asylum seekers have the right to healthcare, like they have the right to a certain list, like all prenatal care for free and like um, contraceptive and uh, care that quote unquote cannot be delayed. Mm -hmm. And that's like a a doctor's call, what can't be delayed. And step up from the US. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so there actually is a fairly good coverage for the most, but not, it's not like, as if they were Swedish citizens, but like it's still fairly good coverage, especially compared to the U.S. But because because this like population who've come from other places are not technically undocumented or seeking asylum, they don't qualify for that. And since they don't have health care insurance from their home country, they don't have that. They can't like give the Swedish hospital their blue card or whatever because they don't have one, and so they're just without coverage there's like a loophole basically mm-hmm. that they fall into uh so or like um also refugees who have crossed through italy and were documented in italy first so if you came from like syria or wherever yeah and, and you, you crossed, crossed, through, crossed italy through italy and were like taken in in italy those people are not provided health care by the italian government 
So, so they got and they don't they qualify don't, as refugees in Sweden. Right, because they yeah. technically, Italy has claimed them, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah. even though they probably were just passing through, like, I just actually watched a video about how even though most, uh, a larger percentage of, of Europe's refugee population passes through Italy, a very small percentage of the refugee population stays in Italy. Mo- most are just passing through. To go to places like Germany and Sweden. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So it makes it a really complicated issue, obviously. Are there differences in the way medical students are trained? Uh, yeah. So in Sweden, it's a five-year degree um, with no like undergrad or anything. So... Or should uh, be like graduate high school <laughs> and go right into mm-hmm. medical school, essentially. Yeah. So this is very common in Europe. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah most of the world really yeah and um i think they're given less responsibility than we are junior yeah or medical students are given less responsibility right okay um just because and then so they do like a intern sort of two years to start off yeah Mm -hmm. so or is it it's one or two years and basically they go to different specialties like they're not kind of like our year of clinical rotation yeah i mean they're in clinic for two years or whatever as medical students but then they actually like are doctors rotating in clinic for a year so it's like Like, our intern years yeah kind of so i don't know if we've talked about this but like i'm confused so so they go to like they'll do family medicine and then they'll switch and go to ob and like right away after they graduate, after they graduate. Uh, oh, so okay. this yeah. is like okay so there are some re- um, specialties in the u.s that still require an intern year prelim year t- transitional year it's called all of these things yep. and basically what happens so like urology is one like this so let's say you say i want to be a urologist and the, all the urology programs say okay well you need a year of like general surgery or intern year or whatever first so what happens is you match into a urology program and you also match into an internal an intern ty prelim and so in that year you can be at the same hospital or not the same hospital as your regular residency but you are basically going through like what corbin said like you're going through internal med family med ob um general surgery psych neuro like all the things but you're a physician rather than a medical student right and that's the difference and so it's called an intern year um and there are like and then there are programs where like ob we don't have an intern or prelim year but our intern year at some places still contains a month of family med or a month of general surgery. That is like falling by the wayside more, I would say, but it still is a thing that you can see sometimes. Um, and so that's what Corbin's talking about. I think from what I remember from um, Adam's colleagues, it's one year, but it can be extended, I think. I don't yeah, know. so they do one year and then they do specialty, which for OBGYN, it's... Uh, five years, but if you you can do part time if you have young children and can, oh, wow. yeah, mm. and can extend it to six years. So yeah, which part time? I mean, their full time is forty hours. So really, yeah. Here, yeah, it's not like uh, they. It's already are working a ton. It's so interesting the the that what that different added what that different way of doing things means about the attitudes people have towards you know training like in the u.s you know there's a lot of hand-wringing about like will they be trained enough by the time they're done with their residency yeah 
when in reality you've got a lifetime of training ahead of yeah. you. You know, so to compress it so hard seems a bit artificial. And then you go into these other countries like Sweden where, you know, you get 40 hours a week. You can yeah. spread it out over a couple of years so that you can take care of your family obligations and nobody's like, oh my gosh, will they know enough yeah. to be, you know. Yeah. And I think, though, I think that, like, the resident, it's, the difference between how residents are integrated into the, like, clinic is, it feels really different because it doesn't seem like they're, you know, like, here it's like you have your attendings and they're there to teach the residents. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't seem that way they act more like colleagues and sometimes it feels like the residents don't get taught as much mm -hmm. you know so and because i actually was talking to one of the like who would be an attending here about it and she's like how do you make sure that people will are willing to teach like it's not that people like if you work at a teaching hospital you you're teach. willing to, that's the idea like you don't but i think the kind of difference is that hospitals in sweden like Karolinska Hospital, they're teaching facilities. Like, any hospital is a teaching facility. So if you don't want to teach, you'd have to be in, like, a clinic environment, mm -hmm. sort of. And I guess not everyone wants to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. There are no private hospitals or... Mm, yeah. There. So it's you can't... so very different than here. You can't, you know, you if you want to work at a hospital, you're in a teaching environment. Yep. So that's a little different. Do they but, have didactics like we do? Yeah, they do. Um, I forget how she said, how much she said they have them, but like one afternoon, I think. So pretty similar yeah. to what most people do here. They have a meeting every morning with all the doctors in the department. Oh, I was like in the hospital? Dang. No, in the <laughs> okay, department. In the department, yeah. And one day a week, it's kind of like grand rounds, but the other time is just they talk about the patients. I didn't always know what was going on because it was always in Swedish. So <laughs> I just sat there and thought about other things usually. <laughs> but usually I thought about how I was going to find the doctor I was going to work with for the day. Good time. Uh, but so anyway, yeah, like the teaching style is just a lot different. And like um, it feels like they allowed medical students to do more like physical exams because, like, for instance, when I saw an OB patient and they were going to sweep her membranes, the doctor was like, do you want to sweep her membranes? And, like, that's not something a medical student would do here, really. Mm -hmm. Like, it's... Um, but, and, like, I always got to check behind the midwife when I was in the labor floor. And here it's pretty rare to check, for the medical student to check mm -hmm. after a resident or... Um, so that was, I mean, good. But then in the OR, you know, like all, as medical students, often we close the skin, but that doesn't really happen there. Like mm -hmm. even the residents will s sometimes not close the skin. So okay. yeah, it's different in that way. So yeah, I think that, and I, I guess it makes sense when you think about med students in the U.S. are older. Like, we've had more yeah. years of education. Like, it makes sense that we would get more hands-on training and more, you know, because in the same, in a sense, we are, like, the older medical students are kind of equivalent to the, like, interns. Mm -hmm. So Well, and also, like, 
um, here, when you are done with residency, some people need to pre- be prepared to go practice by themselves. Like you said, that like pretty much every hospital is a teaching hospital in, yeah. in Sweden. That is not the case here. Sometimes you will be the only doctor in your town or the only doctor in your specialty in your town and you need to be able to perform everything by yourself. Like not all of us, This is, I mean, this is what I want to do. Like not all of us are going to have the luxury of like older colleagues around to help you with things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do Swedish medical students bitch as much as American <laughs> yes, medical <they> do. students? <laughs> <laughs> they do. <laughs> I actually was talking with, because uh, so from my perspective, being there is a lot more like chill than being here. Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely is. And it's nice for that reason. Like mm-hmm. they all call their attendings by their first name. And I was telling one of the Whoa. students. Yeah, I know. I was my telling mom. one of the students I would never even think about calling it. Even if they told me to call them by their first name, I would feel it uncomfortable. It would be difficult. Yeah. And so that's just not what you, and like, for instance, if there's a group of attendings sitting down every morning between like eight and nine before the first clinic shows up, you basically sit down and have coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so if there's a group of attendings and sitting down and there's an open seat, like the medical just student just goes and sits down with them. Oh, nope. And I'm here. like, I feel very uncomfortable. I'm going to sit, even though there's, a, I'm going to sit somewhere else because even though there's a room at the, that table, that makes me uncomfortable. That's down like weird, downright weird. Yeah. And that is also something like in the U.S. It's like so taboo that if you did that in front of another medical student, I don't think that would go over well either. Like that is just like. Yeah. yeah. Not a no no. Like if so it, that let me tell you something. That would end up on an evaluation. Like is it a little bit too too forward. Too informal yeah. with yeah. The senior yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like it because I think it also contributes to that whole like nobody's a superstar in a yeah. Swedish hospital. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. and I really think it benefits the patient in a lot of ways. Like I was actually talking to a resident who had been to the US for and done a I think a rotation as a medical student in the US at a different teaching institution in uh-huh. the Midwest that I won't name. Just I don't know because I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> I'm being very cautious. I think we know why you're not going to name it. Yeah. Um but she was saying talking about the gynocs and she there and she said, "Oh, I have so much respect for them. They're so talented. Like they're very good surgeons." And but she's like, they're like superstars. They they have their like faces on billboards, and mm-hmm. and that's like normal in the U.S. to yeah. see doctors on billboards or like. Um, I remember one time being like thinking in Sweden, oh man, how am I supposed to find this doctor who I'm supposed to work with? So I was like, oh, I'll just go on the Karolinska website and look up their picture. You can't do that. You can't <laughs> go on the Karolinska website and look up their picture because that's not a. That's not there. It's like you don't culturally not. A- you don't go see a doctor. You go see a gynecologist. You know, a gynecologist. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and here it's like different in that way. So, I think it also plays into that. Like here, attendings are like their own person, and it, they're like who they are based yeah. on their research. And and there are a lot of like highly published Karolinska gynecologists and obstetricians who like have made a big difference in the field of OBGYN, but it's not like you sit around knowing about that. You know what I mean? And also in the U S I think it's about marketing. Like, yeah, like, you know, hospitals want, I think hospitals want to humanize or at least not humanize, but hospitals want to put a face on the practice of medicine. And so the way, one of the ways they do that is by like making a big deal about, you know, putting pictures up on websites and things mm-hmm. like that so the patients know blah, 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 blah. 
Well, and yeah. also like famous doctors, yeah. patients ask for them. So then it's like, yeah, I want the best business. doctor that yeah. I, right. you know, the, yeah. who's the best doctor. Yeah. But anyway, but they, to get to your original question, yes, they do. Because I was sitting at coffee time with another student. He was saying, I don't even get why I have to go to the meetings. <laughs> that sounds very familiar. Because <laughs> I don't even know the patient, so I don't get anything from And I was like, dude, I don't speak Swedish. <laughs> 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 and then he was also like, why do we have to be here at 8 if we start at 9? <laughs> that also sounds familiar. Uh -huh. And I was like, yeah. Why do I have to pre-round? We literally yeah. made this joke today because I'm in this editorial writing class that meets twice a week usually it's on mondays and wednesdays and but this week because of our meeting on monday we had it today tuesday and wednesday and we're like oh my gosh we have to come to work tomorrow oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. we're like making fun of ourselves so i think the moral story is a med student will complain regardless of how good the conditions are. <laughs> it's like are. if a tree falls in a forest. <laughs> yeah. If a med student exists, will they complain God, no matter where you. they are? Yeah. Yes, they will. Yeah, they will. <laughs> they will complain. That's so I always say when people are like, oh, I don't, you know, they come into my office and they're talking to me and they're like, I don't mean to complain. And I'm like, I would never take away your God-given right to complain because <laughs> A, wouldn't do anything good yeah. for me to try. <laughs> yeah. We're still going to complain. That's just yeah. the truth of the matter. But, um... What else? Oh yeah, like I said, I mean Swedish is Sweden is the Swedish system is a primarily public system. Yeah. It's not like Australia or the UK, even where you can opt into a private system. Mm. Um it's pretty much there are more and more actually public or private clinics popping up. And that's influenced by like the conservative party there wants it to be like that, wants it to have a more American system. Why? Ugh. Because of capitalism. Yeah, I know. Hashtag capitalism. Ugh. And even though Sweden has great outcomes, but. Um, we always got to mess with stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also Amer P Swedish people who have American jobs have private insurance. Mm. And okay. so they want to like yep. get something nicer with it. So, yeah, that's, I mean, more to come, see if that will change. But right now it's, I think one, you know, it's probably one of the most public, everyone uses this. Even, I mean, the queen or the crowned prince, princess had her baby at one of the Karolinska hospitals, you know, like, yeah. so it's not like you buy into a private system there. So, mm -hmm. Okay. And um, in OBGYN, midwives do 70% oh, yeah. of the deliveries there. Like all that's the normal deliveries. Pretty European, too. It, uh, at least that's the, way, that's the way it is in the UK, also. Yeah. Where midwives do normal deliveries, and then um, MD physicians do. I wonder how that affects the higher risk ones. Getting back to the, you know, even the queen or whatever uses the public healthcare, mm -hmm. healthcare system. I wonder how that affects. How good it is. How good it is. Because, yeah. like, in the U.S., you know, like, you know, President so-and-so would never be like, oh, I'm going to go to... The Medicaid clinic? The Medicaid <laughs> clinic. You know, like, they have yeah. no idea. Yeah. No politi... I'm sorry. There's no politician out there, even if they're already... Even if they're doctors, I think, who currently goes to, you know, yeah. the, the regular clinic where the, the unwashed masses go. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they come up with these crazy ideas yeah. about how medicine should work 
yeah that don't take into account the realities of the world where yeah. maybe yeah if everybody's using the same system i could see how that would be beneficial well, policy making and you have skin in the game yeah right like i mean in, yeah. in software it's called eating your own dog food you know yeah. you, mm-hmm. when you use the same tools that everybody else does you know what the problems are and you know that how to potentially how to fix yeah right well like that was the big issue too with healthcare, like the insurance plans Mm -hmm. because you know congressmen have these like cadillac insurance plans yeah congress people i should say um and so they don't know what it's like to like be excluded because of a pre-existing condition Mm -hmm. or whatever right yeah so yeah yeah um so I, me and Adam have, have Medicaid because we're students. We make zero dollars and it is like, it is, I was, I don't have health problems. I, it's like barely affects my life. Right. But it is nice to understand where my patients are coming from Mm -hmm. as far as like how hard it is to get certain things covered, how many hoops you have to jump through, what's covered, what's not covered. It is, I think it is. An eye-opening experience. I would agree with, like, that it's beneficial. I still don't know, honestly, why they have so much better outcomes than we do. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think it was kind of silly for me to think that I would figure it out. Like, you would know. Yeah. (laughs) Six weeks, and you got, Corbin's got the secrets of the universe. Right, like that. Do they have as much generational systematic oppression? No. (laughs) Well, okay, and this is another thing. They are very gender equal society. Uh-huh. And so I think that plays a lot into it as well. Yeah, that's fair. Also, the way they treat endometriosis is a lot different. I feel like they will like we should have well, not like the actual like treatment, but like they just take. I feel like they take women's pain more seriously than yeah. we do. Uh, should we do our fallopian files? Okay, you first. Oh, I guess I'll do, I'll do more of a concept than a specific piece of media. How about this? So, right. um, go crazy. My something that like I'm really digging right now is reading for fun. What a novel concept, huh? See what I did there? Novel. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so I love. I used to read a ton. Like I'm like an avid reader. Um, but obviously medical school and undergrad make that kind of difficult when it comes to time so this year with all my free time i've decided that i need to start reading again um so my goal for the year is to read 52 books which is one book a week which is a kind of an unrealistic goal i feel how are we doing i finished number 10 yesterday so i am behind a little bit but not by much <laughs> what do you mean because <laughs> it's we're past the 10th week of the year Oh, you mean the calendar year? Yeah, I thought you from were talking January about 1st. like the M4 year. Uh, oh, I probably would make it if I was doing that. I think you should do that. <laughs> but I would have to go back and remember all the ones I've read this year. Anyway, um, but yeah, but I also um, am like trying to do this uh, Book Riot reading challenge. So it's this like website, mm-hmm. Book Riot. Um, and, but it's like really cool. Like they have different things like a uh, book where like the main protagonist is a woman over the age of 60 which is extremely hard to find Mm -hmm. um or a graphic novel that's about a person of color written by a person of color um and just like all these things that like are kind of out of my wheelhouse and like are good at stretching me um it's something that's like been really fun and like hard to do but also i also like don't typically read nonfiction, and i've been like trying a lot harder to read nonfiction. so that's what i'm digging yeah but yeah I have one. Yes. Uh, the Mortified Guide on Netflix. Oh. 
it's like so it's originally a podcast mortified podcast and it's um people reading their diaries oh. from their childhood it's hilarious. <laughs> it's hilarious and then it's on netflix now it's like a show basically it's like the moth but like reading your childhood diaries it's oh hilarious like it's great i highly recommend it and now it's a show on netflix so i'm glad i was not the kind of person to to journal yeah me neither it would have been oh really yeah embarrassing. like looking back on it <laughs> It would have, I would, yeah. I'm still not the kind of person to journal. Yesterday, Kate was like, let's journal about our feelings. And I was like, I hate this idea. Kate always, hate <laughs> I hate journaling. Journaler, yeah. <laughs> I feel so weird, like, writing. Like, I would like to be a better journaler or yeah. something just to, like, be able to look back and see, I don't know, how I yeah. process things or whatever. But I just feel weird. I do. I don't how, know. I do kind of want to write a retrospective piece, though, about like, because I remember three years ago when it was match week and I was on spring break and I was thinking about like, oh my gosh, in three years, this will be me. And like, then I remember like how I felt in undergrad about med students and how I felt in high school about people who were going to, med, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's kind of fun to think about like how far you've come. But yeah, anyway. I'll give a shout out to a podcast called. And and honestly, right now, I'm trying to figure out, like, of the three times we've done this, have I already said this? I'll tell you. Hello from the Magic Tavern. No, but I totally agree. <laughs> Hello from the Magic Tavern is a podcast. Uh, it's a it's an improv podcast. Yeah. It's about a guy who, um, named Arnie Niekamp, he, uh, <laughs> he's, he uh, fell through a wormhole behind the three Burger King. Three years ago. Three years ago. <laughs> Fell uh, through a wormhole behind the Burger King in Chicago, and he ended up in the magical land of Foon. He fortunately has a uh, very weak Wi-Fi signal through which he gets out a weekly podcast with his co-hosts, Badger the Sh uh, Chunt the Shape Changing um, Badger, and Usador the uh, the self-important and somewhat incompetent <laughs> wizard. It's amazing. And the the great part of the show is. It's all improv, which means that everything that they say in a show becomes canon mm -hmm. for the remainder of the show. So, and they have guests so and good. it's, uh, my favorite, my favorite Usador quote is, we've all, we've, he talks like, we have all fingered a spider. <laughs> <laughs> and like, so it's like a running joke that like Arnie refuses to explain earth stuff to them. Yes. And so like they'll say something and then or he'll say something that's like a you know everyone on earth knows. And then they'll be, he'll be like, "Oh, do you have that in Foon?" And then it'll be something that's like either a very literal interpretation of the word. I can't think of a good example right now. Yeah. But or it'll be like they'll just like make up some like really funny thing or like w one of the things is like, "Do you have Jews in Foon?" And they're just like, "Yeah." And that's like it. There's like no like weird explanation. There's just like Jewish people in Foon. And it's like, it was like in the string of like, do you have this in Foon? And it was like all really funny stuff. And then they got to that and they're just like, yep. yep. Super funny. <laughs> it's so good. It's brilliant. They're it's very, very talented brilliant. improv people. Yep. So go check that out. Yeah. Uh, all right. I well, I agree. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Go check out uh, thevagabonds.com slash store. Yeah. Go uh, send us an email at um, whatever our email address is. At thevagabondspodcast That's at gmail.com. And uh, hit us up on the social medias. Yep. All of them. God love ya. Bye. Okay, baby. <laughs>